Welcome to the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Bundesliga and the Premier League. Joining me as always, to Marco Royce, to my Robert Lewandowski, Billy. And these are getting better, these are getting better. This oh, week, but... <laughs> this <laughs> week we take a look back at match day 33 of the Bundesliga and look ahead to the final weekend of the German League. We talk about the best of the Premier League on its return and some transfer news, including some that Lewis really isn't too thrilled about. But we'll get to that later on. Cheers for the re- cheers for the reminder on that one, by the way. That's fine. <laughs> if it happens, um, but yeah, like you just said, we're going to get to that in a sec. Uh, match day thirty three. I say the biggest thing on that one is probably the relegation battle because sixteenth and seventeenth, basically Bremen on seventeenth and Fortuna Düsseldorf on sixteenth. Those are the only two teams that right now can still get themselves into a non or basically a not automatically relegated spot. So it's very much, and it's also coming down to the last day or last match of the season. It can't get much tighter than this. Yeah. So Paderborn are already down. That's the first and that's the only confirmed one. Yeah. Werder Bremen, it would be a bit sad if they went down. They've got, Kern on the last match day. Yeah, but th- th- and that's and that's the thing as well because Kern isn't even that like they're a mid-table team, and it is very much down to the fact of if they want to actually play for something because they don't have anything to play for, and if they just want to you know have a nice end to the season and just have fun with the game, or if they're just going to be lackluster about it and give Bremen the easy win. And also, Bremen right now are standing in, or basically they are standing before the first relegation from the Bundesliga in 40 years. That'd just be, it'd be a stain on their, on, on the club's reputation. Yeah, it's, it's not, you know, it's not been an amazing season for them. It's one of the teams that you wouldn't expect to be down there normally. Definitely not. But, I mean, they, I think they even, or, <clears throat> They were, they were one of the clubs that in, you know, they've had some recent years where they've almost been fighting for the Europa League spots and then some years where they're just in the middle of the table. But this season's really been almost uncharacteristically bad. And especially their last game where they've more or less put themselves in the worst position possible. Um, where they, I mean, on the one hand, they could have, if, if with a win, they could have actually gotten themselves up to 16th, or they could have gotten themselves, you know, at least tied for points um, and making it down to goal difference. But they really, really didn't do themselves any favors with their performance uh, last weekend. So, Werder are at home against Kern, and uh, Dusseldorf have to go to Union Berlin. And, yes. like you said, whether it'll just, you know, because. Kern and Union, they can't really move anywhere. They've got nothing to play for, yeah. Realistically, it's whether they sort of essentially roll over and let them have a win. It is one of those things because, I mean, obviously living in Dusseldorf, I definitely want to see Dusseldorf stay up. And right now they are definitely the ones with with, with a better position going into match day 34. But really, realistically speaking... Union Berlin, they're very much. They're, I mean, they're very much cemented in the mid of the table uh, or the t- midfield of the table, and they don't have anything to play for. So Dusseldorf might actually have the best chance because even even if Bremen do scrape a win 
by uh, scrape a win against Köln, they don't, or they and and Düsseldorf don't lose, then Bremen stay down. So really, it's all in Düsseldorf's hands, and Bremen actually cannot make the relegation spot on their own. They have to rely on the fact that uh, Union Berlin is going to help them out. Yeah, and obviously whoever comes out on top out of Werder and Dusseldorf will have to play either. Is there one more match week of the Bundesliga two, or is it Heidenheim that's definitely uh, well, it's, team? Mm, no, it should be the last. Yeah, there's one more match week, and there's one point separating Heidenheim and Hamburg at Esfau. Yeah, and I mean, we, we don't cover the second Bundesliga as such, but it does, or it should be touched on really briefly that Hamburg have made it, or Hamburg every year, you think it can't get worse, and then somehow they they manage to do the unthinkable and get an even worse, get themselves into an even worse situation than the year before. Because the year before, they had much the same deal where they were, you know, on in third place in the second Bundesliga. They were ready to get at least hit the relegation spot, if not even if not secure second place, and then. Within the last three matches, they managed to screw it all up for themselves. And, I mean, they concede silly goals. In the last five matches, they conceded four goals in extra time. So, Yeah, and ah. if Heidenheim lose and hamburger Hesfau draw, they've got a better goal difference. So, they'd True. be a playoff team anyway. But that's, you know, that would be something to cover... When the time comes, when, the time when comes, the relegation battle, whether, whether it be Verda or Dusseldorf, fighting yes, for exactly. top flight survival. Exactly. I thought something from match week thirty-three that caught my eye anyway that I'm calling as my game of the match week was Hertha Berlin beating Leverkusen. I mean, it's not a bad match to pick out because obviously Leverkusen are still very much fighting for. Champions League spots and almost uncharacteristic of them to be giving up points or dropping points this late in the season with so much to play for for them because there is a big difference when it comes to getting Champions League and getting Europa League. So yeah, the money the money much... involved is ridiculous. Exactly, exactly, and especially if Leverkusen want to have any arguments for possibly keeping Kai Havertz beyond this summer they're definitely going to have to secure Champions League football for him to even think about staying. So yeah. it is very much... They're, they're very under pressure to perform in this last match. Yeah, well, they've got, they've got to play Mainz, who themselves beat Dortmund recently as well. But the, the team that they're fighting for fourth place with, Borussia Mönchengladbach, who have been relatively hit and miss since the restart, yeah, they've got to play Hertha Berlin, who've just beaten Leverkusen. Yeah, I mean it is. It's an interesting one because you then, obviously, that I'd say, or if I was going to put money on it, I'd probably put money on Leverkusen grabbing the win rather than Mönchengladbach because, as you just pointed out, Berlin is more of a. I I mean, I, with no disrespect to Mainz, but Berlin is more likely to secure points against a team in the top four than Mainz is, especially given the current state in which both teams are in. With Mainz, you know, just having managed uh, last weekend to secure their, uh, their, or secure the Bundesliga for next season and make sure they do stay up. 
with that win over Brim. But it is, uh, you know, we can always we can always hope, and there's, you know, football you can never really predict. So who knows what will happen next next weekend, or this coming weekend? Yeah, I think I don't know on the balance of the season. I think it would be unfair on Gladbach if they dropped out of the Champions League yeah. places, especially because they led for a number of weeks anyway. Yeah, you've got a point. You've got a point. And obviously, you know, there's a bit of a soft spot there for me because it was my first Bundesliga, <laughs> Bundesliga match. They got bent over and spanked by Leipzig. Oh, boy. But the atmosphere was great. It's, you know, it's always, you've always, you always remember your first. You know what they say. <laughs> all I'm saying is it pisses all over Southampton v Tottenham in the FA Cup. Oh, God. Well, I mean, anything this is all over that match. Like, that's just depressing. But I, I wouldn't mind, but oh, I don't know. I'm not a fan of people sitting down at football. <laughs> the Saints is like a retirement stadium. We, I think we're going to have to dedicate a whole 15 minutes to, on, this, on this episode just to have you trash uh, Southampton. I can't. I can't. It's not the team I don't, I don't like. It's not the club. It's just... The fans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like Bournemouth. It's all old people and young kids at Bournemouth. That's why there's no atmosphere. <laughs> but it's fine because they'll be going down. So. Oh, jeez. Moving on to the rest of the matches, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on these. Hoffenheim with their 4-0 victory against Union Berlin, making sure they are tied on points with Wolfsburg and definitely will be at least in a qualifying spot for the Europa League, if not uh, getting direct Europa League competition next season. Um, Both of those, Hoffenheim and Wolfsburg have both got pretty difficult games last week as well. So your Bayern are away at Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim have to go to Dortmund. That's a, that's a, that's going to make for some make for, I mean, at least neither of them, neither of the managers can claim that the other one had, you know, a bad or an easy fixture list, put it that way. But you're not wrong. Wolfsburg and Dortmund, I mean, Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim, having you know the first and second place teams the last match day is hardly hardly an easy task right it's, it's uh it'll be interesting to see i think based on form since the restart i probably back hoffenheim to at least get a draw maybe if yeah i mean it's, the way it's, they doesn't tomorrow. have anything to play for either so it'll be interesting i mean the one, thing, the one thing that i'd probably give give Bayern in this situation is that Bayern just haven't have shown that they seem to be so hungry for wins, no matter if they've secured the title or not, that Wolfsburg might even still be in a worse position. And also, you know, Lewandowski is still trying to chase a record there, which he actually has, which he is still, or he's broken a personal record against Freiburg last weekend with his brace. He's now on 33 goals for the season. And I believe in the last episode, I may have said that Lewandowski was on the second most goals of all time, which was a false fact. There is actually Dieter Müller, who scored 34 goals for Köln in the 80s one season. And Gert Müller has scored in three separate seasons, 36, 38, and 40 goals respectively. So Lewandowski right now is fifth on the all-time 
scoring list for goals in a single season. So got to rectify the, the little statistical mishap there. That's mad because oh, I, as much as you want to see him break it, there's no chance he's scoring eight goals in a game. Nah, there really is. I think it'll probably overtake. Is it Dieter Muller? Yeah, with I'd 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 give, or I'd probably bank on the fact that, or I could see Lewandowski putting you know a brace away maybe in the last game. Yeah, but this isn't one of those last game of the season, nothing to play for for Wolfsburg. Let's just bend over and let them have their day type matches. They genuinely (laughs) need a result to try and get European football. Exactly. I was about to say, I don't think Lewandowski... I mean, I could see if, if Lewandowski, you know, did score a brace in the first two minutes and then Bayern players are like, hmm, maybe, maybe he will do it. You know, maybe he'll have another, you know, five goals in nine minutes type of thing and then uh, we'll see some other type of miracle. But, I mean, if he did that, then, you know, there'd almost be no chance you could keep the Ballon d'Or away from him. So, and saying that in a, in a year where we still have got Ronaldo and Messi just goes to show how unlikely that really is. <laughs> honest. I want an honest answer to this question. Mm. And try and not wear your Bayern Munich glasses. Uh-huh. If he, say he gets a hat-trick against Wolfsburg. Yeah. To put him on 36 for the season. Yeah. In your unbiased opinion now, <laughs> is that enough for him to win the Ballon d'Or this year? For sure, I'd put him in the top three, win it. Mm, it's hard. It's a hard one. I think if, if Bayern win the Champions League, I think it's pretty difficult yes. to keep him away from it. Yes, this is, all, this is very Bayern true. It is all down to the titles. It's all down to the titles. If, if Bayern only win a double and he finishes the league with 36, he'll make top three definitely, but probably not win it. If Bayern make the Champions League, win the Champions League, and he scores another few goals in that final tournament, and also, because, I mean, you still have to remember that he's got one game against Chelsea, two quarterfinal, two semifinal, and a final. So he's still got six matches in which to score. So if, and he's already on a total tally of all the numbers escaping right now after he scored the brace. I want to say it's 45. That's mad. But you know, we say it's forty-five goals this season. We could be setting ourselves up for a uh, another statistical mishap. Yeah, like, I, well, I'm very, that, I'm very much I'm, aware. I'm very much aware. We're, we're, I'm doing research in real time. <laughs> not just that, but you know, another Frank Ribery type bitch fit when he if he doesn't win. If I mean, he I'm still the Ballon d'Or. I'm still inclined to say that Ribery didn't have. You know, he wasn't that. Or his bitch fit wasn't that unfounded, you know. It's he did win the treble where Ronaldo and Messi didn't win, you know, jack shit that year. Or they didn't. I, I think each each. I think Barcelona and Real Madrid each won like a domestic title, and I forget which, but something something of that nature. Anyways, Probably. Lewandowski. He is on. And in this season, is that the dog? He's on forty-one appearances and forty-eight goals. Okay, yeah. If he breaks the fifty-goal mark for for a season, Jesus, I think it would be very difficult to 
definitely top three. It'd be very difficult to make a case against him winning the Ballon d'Or. Exactly. And, I mean, we're, t- we're talking about the fact that also if he breaks Ronaldo's record for most Champions League goals in a season, he's already on 11 goals and he's still got six matches to break that record. What's Ronaldo's record? I want to say it's 17 goals in one Champions League season. Oh, that's so doable, especially because you've got Chelsea as well. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll bend him over again at the, at the Allianz Arena. I really hope you do. I mean... Um, in my very biased opinion, yes, I hope we smack them 4-0 again. So it's another 7-0, you know, on aggregate score, just like we did uh, Barcelona back then, 2013. That would, really make, that, would, that would really make the vindictive part of me very happy. Of course, in your professional unbiased opinion. It's probably going to be like a 1-2-0 or two nil win for Bayern. They're not going to try and go out all out too much because of the... Well, it's in that mini tournament type exactly. setup, isn't it? So, Especially because they're one of the teams... Yeah, they're, they're, they're one of the teams who still have to play a week before that tournament starts. They have to play the second round, the second round of the round of 16. So they have an extra match in comparison to Leipzig and the other three. So it's a very, it's a very big... No, I'd say it's almost a very big advantage for the other teams who have already finished off their round of 16 matches that they don't have to play that extra match. On the other hand, Bayern will be coming off the summer break because the Bundesliga has finished relatively or at a relatively normal time in comparison to the rest of the leagues. So the Bundesliga will actually have quite or there'll be a, quite a sizable uh, amount of time between Bayern playing their last match, which is the DFB Pokal final, on the 4th of July, and then the 7th or 8th of August when they play Chelsea again. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, it's a weird one, because if you're Chelsea, are you really going to bother? <laughs> I'm just, like, just thinking, like, the season's pretty much dead and buried anyway. Once, once the domestic season finishes, Chelsea, as much as I want to be unbiased about this, but Chelsea aren't going to overturn a 3-0. No, they won't. I mean, something colossally bad would have to happen for Bayern to do that because, you know, for Bayern to lose 3-0 at home, I know with the closed behind closed doors thing that at home advantage kind of falls away. But still, you know, it's at the end of the day, Bayern have three away goals. Are Chelsea going to score three away goals? I doubt it. I highly doubt it. It will be interesting to see. Yes. On the subject of Chelsea. Exactly. Seeing as we're seeing as we're already talking about the English teams anyway, I think that's a perfect segue to go into the Premier League. The last couple match days. Even interesting ones. It's been weird. The first halves haven't been haven't been great. It's like and every team needs like a first half to kind of get going and get back into the rhythm. Yeah, I think it's only I think the only ones I can actually think of that have scored, like City in both their games, against, one against Arsenal and against Burnley. So they scored eight goals in two matches again. Crazy. And uh, Anthony Martial got two in the first half yesterday, that time of recording, against Sheffield United. Yeah, yeah, true. And again, another... Speaking another of which, s- that's the first hat-trick scored by a United player, player since... 2013. That is... 
Robin Van Persie against Aston Villa. Three goals in the first half, including that ridiculous volley. Oh, that 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 was actually oh, it was. Robin Van Persie seems to be that guy to serve. If you need a volley, he's the one to go for it. Because then I'm also that also reminds me of what he did a year later in the World Cup 2014 against Spain with that oh, the flying header. header, flying Dutchman header. But exactly. even if he scored flying. a similar goal for Arsenal against Everton, Alex Song drifted the ball over the top, first time volleyed into the bottom corner. He'd probably have a 90 on uh, on volleys in FIFA. <laughs> That man, we had, we only had him for it was that one that one player that was always jealous of Arsenal, <laughs> other than Thierry Henry. Yeah, I was about to say you can't leave uh, Henry out of the whole deal. That, that's kind of that'd be a crime. But that was back in 2013. I, huh. I, we can't not talk about it because everyone's been pushing the narrative of it anyway. Fernandez and Pogba. <clears throat> So, Pogba goes. As a United fan, this is going to be... I'm, I'm very interested to hear your take on this. Oh, so happy. <laughs> Pogba got just over half an hour at Spurs on Friday night. Had an impact, though, didn't it? He had an impact. I mean, he won the penalty, but we were just so much better when he came on. And granted, he probably wouldn't have started because he's not played in, like, 10 months. Yeah. And then he made his first start since last September against Sheffield United. In and of itself. I, I don't know. It was just really not nice to watch. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to watch like individual players as much as I could and Fernandez would be calling for it and when he wouldn't get the ball, he'd have like a little hissy fit. Like he'd throw his yes. arms up in the air. Like he constantly wants the ball. Uh, I, I say almost the hissy fits are kind of reminiscent of, or they're very much attributed to the players from the Iberian Peninsula and South America. Uh, okay, take Italy in there as well. The hissy fits and the diving, uh, that, that's kind of almost reminiscent of the... Yeah, we the won't South talk about America. his dive against Spurs. We won't talk about that blemish <laughs> on his otherwise perfect start. Still not lost as a United player though, which is quite nice. 13 yeah, games unbeaten now for Solskjaer. That's, uh, you know, that's quite a record. I mean, obviously, there's still bits missing in the team. Like, Matic was great against Sheffield United. But he's towards the back end of his career. So, you're thinking maybe a defensive midfielder would have to come in at some point. Which is where I mean, the, Don- the Donny van der Beek rumours come in. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know he's not a centre-defensive centre midfielder, but Thiago is apparently, and as much as it kills me to say it, on the market. Yes, Would he be someone to look at? We'll get to that because we've already... United have already looked at him before. True. Back in, 20, in the summer of 2013. But I don't want to make this a, a United and Bayern podcast. Uh, I want to talk about West Ham. That is an interesting one because now they're, they're locked in a four-way battle to save themselves from relegation along with Watford, Bournemouth, and Aston Villa. Well, yeah, Bournemouth, what, uh, I think it's Villa, West Ham. Watford are the only ones on 28 points. The yeah, others on, are yeah, all on 27. 27. Yeah. It's interesting because when David Moyes took over in his first press conference, he was like, that's what I do. I win. I think they've won one game since he took over. It's amazing. 
Nailed it! There's just no, like, drive or want. It's so passive, the way that they've played. <laughs> like, against Wolves, it was like, okay, are you going to bother tracking Pedro? Uh, what's he called? Portuguese player for Wolves, which doesn't narrow it down very much. I was about to say, I've got, you know, Raul. Pedro Neto. <laughs> Pedro Neto, who scored that ridiculous volley. Like, That's you not, the one. Are you not going to track, track your man? No? Okay. And against Spurs, <laughs> it was even worse. That's also a London derby, not going to lie. It's, you know, there should still be some kind of prestige in there. I know it's not the North London derby, but, you know... Get a little bit of a some of the players. Some of the players, Felipe Anderson. You think would be able to motivate himself? Because even if West, if West Ham go down, there's no way he's staying. So you're thinking I might as well show showcase what I've got, like Musa Sissoko. Attractive to another Premier League team. Yeah, Musa Sissoko did it at the Euros in 2016. He was ridiculous for France. Newcastle had gone down. The Spurs went for whatever better. Exactly, exactly. I, I mean, that's a big step to take, especially when you've got it's a top six side taking a player who's, uh, you know, just been relegated with his team, much like Bayern did with uh, Benjamin Pavard. Yeah, but he was very young and he did have a ridiculous World Cup. Yeah, okay. But we said like, we weren't going to make this a Bayern United podcast. <laughs> very true. Bournemouth is another curious case. Because they were in the ta- they were in the middle of the table last year. I want to say. Well, the curious case of Ryan Fraser. <laughs> so one of my mates is a Bournemouth fan, mm-hmm. and oh, I highly doubt he listens. But Ryan, <laughs> it's really funny because Ryan blames his current girlfriend, who we both went to school with. Uh, she was a year, year above us, but Ryan's like, oh, she's come along. She's turned his head away from the cherries. It's like, well, no. What happened, <laughs> I think the biggest thing, the biggest issue was Ryan, not Ryan, yeah, Ryan Fraser, for Ryan Fraser. Arsenal came in, uh, summer just gone, and last season he had seven goals and 14 assists. And this season he's got one goal and four. And because he, he's not signing a contract and he's leaving in a matter of days. <laughs> Eddie Howe's not playing him. He's arguably, when he wants to be, one of their better players. It would be like Arsenal. It would be like Arteta going, well, Aubameyang said, he, said to me he wants to leave. So for the remainder of this season, he's not in the squad. It's like, well... That's a bit petty, no? It is, but... I can understand, because footballers have... And, you know, you've, you've done some training with... You call him the kid. The kid. The kid. Who is it? Schalke. Hayden Henry. Schalke. Yeah. No, he's uh, he is right now playing. Well, he is playing against Schalke. He's in the U seventeen Bundesliga, but uh, still same level, same same type of uh, same type of atmosphere, same skill level needed. Yeah. So there's that arrogance that footballers have to have. And Ryan, enough, he's one of the only players thinks. that I've actually met that he doesn't have that kind of arrogance. He's, a, he's, quite, a hum, he's quite humble for a 15-year-old. who it, is might work, it might work in his favour. But oh, you're, yeah. thinking, 
Ryan Fraser's probably thinking, oh, if Arsenal wanted me last summer, they'll probably want me if I leave on a free. That being said, the dip in form that you just that you stated a couple minutes ago with his uh, with his goals or with his scorer points, that might be the one thing that makes him unattractive because he's you know got that bit of complacency now, and then his form's obviously taken a hit because of said complacency because he thinks he's got it in the bag. I just think that's such a poor attitude to have, especially when you're young. Yeah, but you can kind of attribute some of the, you know, the, the dip in assists. You can kind of attribute it to maybe forwards not scoring like they would have scored last season. I don't maybe. know. It's a difficult one, and it's be interesting to see where he goes if it's a similar level to Bournemouth, if not Arsenal. Yeah. On the... Uh, Subject of Arsenal. <laughs> it's, been a, it's, been a, it's been a very uh, unwelcome return to football for Arsenal. So obviously, they got battered by Man City on their first game back, but then they went and lost to Brighton. Well, the thing that stands out from, to me from that match is just the fact that Gwen Dozy just acted like the biggest twat going. Okay, well, I've got... <laughs> written here what he apparently was talking to Neil Mope about. Yeah. So for those of you listening that don't know, Neil Mope challenged Bern Leno for the ball and subsequently Arsenal haven't said what happened but it looked like an ACL injury to Leno. And Genduzi being the Premier League's most unlikable little weirdo. You're saying that because of his hairdo, aren't you? Oh, it's like Sideshow Bob. It's like David Louise 2.0. They're both crap. It really is. But anyway, enough of, uh, <laughs> enough of my hatred for, <laughs> for them. But he apparently was talking, he's saying, like, you know, oh, I'm like 21 years old and I get paid more than you do and things like that. And he was just talking smack. But then it was quite funny because Neil Mopay's on 70 grand a week. Matthew Genduzzi's on 50. So it's kind of a bit... Well, he's not. You're not getting paid more than he is, though, are you? <laughs> I thought Neil Mope handled it really well in his post-match interview, though. It was uh, after we'd been choked by Genduzi <laughs> After the game finished, he was just, you know, some Arsenal, fa- some Arsenal players need to show humility. They got what they deserved. It was kind of like a, a big fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but that's the only way you can handle that because some people were going off on Twitter like, oh my God, Gwendozi's living rent-free in the Brighton players' heads. And then you're just like, well, no, he isn't. He'd be living rent-free if Arsenal had gone on to win that game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. well put. You know, it's a weird yeah. one. Arsenal, we've got no hope of European football this season. No, but, and the thing is also that you... This isn't a problem anymore with the manager because I think Arteta is doing a good job and his defensive, his defensive makeup or basically the way he's drilling the team defensively would work if he just didn't have, you know, a row of clowns in the back. Yeah, if he had defenders with any defensive capability at all. Exactly. It's, it, it's kind of depressing to watch a guy have to 
you know, make do with what he's got. And when he's got, you know, shit, for lack of a better word. Yeah. But they've not been helped with injuries, though. You know, Pablo Mari. Oh, definitely not. Granite Xhaka, who, you know, say what you like about him. He is quite a, a, you know, solid holding player, which... Yeah. His replacement seems to, you know, Danny Ceballos isn't that kind of player. Oh, yeah, so they're, no. they're obviously missing that extra defensive coverage. But I was talking to someone about this yesterday, and I, w- I was a bit unfair on David Luiz last week when I said he had no defensive awareness at all. <laughs> I mean, to play for Chelsea and PSG and win what he did, you have to be somewhat good at defending. I think he just gets most of the stick because he's always the last man. Yeah, but there's, you know, there are so many defenders who don't, who win a bunch of titles and don't get that kind of stick and also are usually the last men. Like, you know, he still is a liability. Okay, let's, let's move on from that because I'm starting to feel ill defending David Luiz. <laughs> Liverpool. They're on the brink of the title. They're on the brink of their first title in 30 years. It's not I mean, pleasant, I won't lie. It doesn't feel very yeah, but they good. deserve it. They do they deserve, deserve it. it. And had the season been cancelled, it would have been a bit unfair. As funny as I would have found it, it would have been <laughs> horrendously unfair on Liverpool because they wouldn't have got to win the league. You know, it would always be, oh, Liverpool won a league by default. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You're, you're very, very right in saying so. So if they go to the Etihad next week, and at time of recording, uh, tonight, Chelsea go to the Etihad as well. And if City don't win, then the title's Liverpool's anyway. But Yeah, exactly. So I want to do two takes on this. So I can't believe that player scored that particular kind of goal for that particular team for Liverpool to win the league, for Liverpool to have to win the league against City. I think I've covered myself for future listening. Jesus Christ. But Aguero's out for the rest of the season after he's had knee surgery. Oof. So does that, in your opinion, does that considerably weaken City's team ahead of a, a title-deciding game against Liverpool next week? Gabriel Jesus is not as bad, is not as bad as some might you know, say. I, I think he is somewhat underrated in uh, many people's eyes, which, you know, I think he's, he's still quite young. He, uh, he, could, he could definitely at some point reach the level of Aguero if he keeps going. But I think Gabriel Jesus has shown in the last couple of seasons that he is an adequate replacement for Aguero because Aguero is not exactly, you know, injury-free. So... No, but he is really the most... That. He is the most prolific foreign player in Premier League history. Okay, yes. True. But it's, you know, I I still say Gabriel Jesus should be given a little bit more credit, and I think he still will be able to replace Aguero well enough that City still do have a very good chance of beating Chelsea. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair assessment. 
it'd be interesting to see if or for how long Aguero's kept out with his knee injury and if City yeah. do go and do what City do and splash on a new number nine. Struggling to think who they could possibly it's weird because City is, is, is City is a team that is built around having, you know, not a big presence in the box, you know, when I'm talking obviously for crosses and headers and what uh, and whatnot, you know, much not exactly like Robert Lewandowski, for instance, or you know, Luis Suarez, but they they're built more for, you know, having the Timo Werner type striker. The short, fast get into the spaces, unreal finishing type striker. So maybe someone like a Latoro Martinez from Inter? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he's been eyed by Barcelona. In, or I'd say if he's going anywhere, he'd probably go, he, he'd probably go to Barcelona as a Suarez replacement, funnily enough. Well, on the subject of players to Barcelona... <laughs> it's time to talk transfers and I just want to talk about a particular transfer that's happening that's not Premier League or Bundesliga related but it really did just sort of catch my eye and maybe a sort of astound me a little bit so Barcelona are selling a 23 year old Brazilian midfielder Artur to Juventus for 80 million euros. And Juventus, in return, are selling a 30-year-old Miralim Pjanic to Barca for 70 million euros. That's one of those trades... That just perplexes me. That's one of those trades like when Bayern sold Tony Kors to Real Madrid um, at age... 24 to uh, Madrid for 25 million and in return bought Xabi Alonso, who as great as a player, as great as a midfielder that he was, the guy at the time was 32. And it's, it's just that switch where, you know, obviously the guy might be younger, but he's shown that he definitely is capable of reaching heights that many that many midfielders who even are, or many professional midfielders wouldn't even reach. And you're still selling him for, you know, almost pennies on the dollar. It's weird. It'd be interesting to see how that turns out. Cause Artur hasn't really started that many games for Barca from what I know. So they're to be fair, they're getting 80 million euros for a, essentially a squad player. And you'd, imag- you'd imagine Pjanic would go in alongside Frankie de Jong. That's a, that's a pretty... <laughs> that's a heavy mid- hefty midfield, I'm not going <clears> to <throat> lie. But this is not a Syria or La Liga football podcast. So Very true. You touched Very on it earlier. True. I'm going to say one name to you. Thiago. Uh, and this, this is one of those things that's just been heating up in the last few days. And it's really, you know, what really grinds my gears. <laughs> um, it's, it's the fact that why does he want to leave? Like this is the, the thing, the rumors, if you don't know, are more down to the fact that Tiago has said 
I'm thinking about leaving Bayern because I've spent the last seven years here. I'm 29, and this is the last time I'm going to get a full, big, you know, big money, long-term contract. Which, fair enough. If you want to go, then you know, by all means, do so. But I don't see why he would want to go somewhere where Bayern, in my unbiased opinion, are definitely in the top five clubs in Europe at the minute because he's. You know, going back to Barcelona, that's not going to happen because they've just signed Pjanic. Well, That'd be I mean, the biggest rumour is to Liverpool. And it'd be hard to argue against that case because they are, let's be honest, one of the most exciting teams at the moment in Europe. And Without a shadow of a doubt, but... You say, why does he want to move? But he's been there for seven years. He's won pretty much everything he can. He hasn't won a Champions League. I'm going to be honest with you at the moment. I think he's got more of a chance. If he doesn't win it this year, I think he'll have more of a chance winning it with Liverpool than he will. Ooh, that's a big shout. It's a big, big shout, shout. But I think the biggest problem for Liverpool is their squad depth. And if they sign someone like Thiago, you know, Who is Thiago, arguably the best centre midfielders in the world? Thiago, Henderson and Fabinho midfield. Then you've got the Ox and Navi Keita to bring on. As much as I'm well, not, not a fan wrong. of Navi Keita. It'd probably be a good one. The main thing is also why you would, as, you know, if you were, if you were looking at the squad makeup of Bayern at the minute, taking Thiago out takes out a massive amount of squad depth for Bayern and why the board at Bayern would even consider selling him. The only reason they're going, their only reason they're doing it is so that he doesn't leave on a free transfer this, you know, next season. Because it is only uh, this is the last summer they can get money for. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter, and it's you know the stuff on Twitter that says, "Oh, why didn't they sell Tiago and buy Kai Havertz?" Because they're very different players that do very different things. I was about to say those are two massively different players. They might both be central midfielders, but Kai Havertz is a center attacking midfielder. Tiago is definitely more of a number eight. Uh, you know, he's, he can play holding, but I definitely put him just in the center in general. In the Bayern system at the minute, he definitely does fit so well in a holding position, but he's not, you know, the guy who is also going to sprint forward and be the main creator of goals. So no, but he does do that Shabby Alonso role. He does it, yeah. He's, he's just the pass master. Given he's got the dribbling skill to be able to fit into that role, but that's just not, you know, I just haven't seen him grow into that type of a player. He's more of a center mid, center defensive mid. Yeah, but I want to take you back to the summer of 2013 when he first oh. signed for Bayern. David Moyes, who we've spoken about already, was in oh, charge yeah. of Manchester United. And it was that summer that we wanted everyone, apparently. Fabregas, Cruz. Yeah. And got no one. Uh, Guillaume Balaguer did a Q&A on Twitter today. And it was... <laughs> I, again, it's, well, it's funny, but it also, like, you know, what could have been. Yeah. Apparently, when Thiago was in Munich to sign his contract with Bayern, he got his agent to ring United again. And David Moyes just was like, no, he's not the, he's not the type. 
not the kind of player we want. And we ended up with Marouane mm. Fellaini on deadline day. <laughs> as much as I love the big, hairy, <laughs> elbow man, I know who I'd rather have. <laughs> oh, that's fucking hilarious. Jesus Shut Christ. up, you. He's leaving you. He's not going to leave. We're going to get him to sign a contract extension. It's all going to be okay. Okay, whatever my helps you whatever helps you sleep at night. Exactly. But you speaking know, of players wanting to leave Bayern, David Alaba is the next candidate who, uh, who has not or basically has yet to sign a contract extension and whose contract is also expiring 2021. He is arguably the most versatile defender in Europe. He is 27 and despite being that young, has over 400 appearances for Bayern, which is a considerable amount of experience under his belt. And yet Bayern still want to let him go as well. Which, you know, it's just, it's baffling to me how you could not do everything you possibly need to to make sure that a player of his caliber stays. Especially when he's been such an integral part of the duo Boateng Alaba in center, uh, in the, uh, at the centre-back position this season? Uh, yeah. Sometimes you've got to let him go. That, no, no, don't, don't say that. That's why I was the same when the Manu Vidic retired. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, but retiring is something different than seeing him play for another team. Apparently he's supposed to go to PSG, which... Oh, that'd be just Jesus Christ, down. I... Yeah. That, that just kill me. At least go somewhere like Juve, where you've got a decent chance of winning the Champions League. Exactly. In PSG, where you basically just are playing in a league where, you know, let's face it, that league is just, there's no competition, really. <laughs> says the Bayern fan. Adrian Rose says otherwise. Uh, yeah, but here's the thing. P- Bayern have been held to, you know, they've actually had to, you know, work for it the last two years, which is an improvement on the la- on the three years before that. So, haha. I'm so glad you're acknowledging your league is not as strong as the Premier League. Oh, we won't get into this argument now because this could be ours. Exactly. One last thing before we do wrap up. The Meunier to Dortmund as a replacement for Hakimi, who is leaving at the end of the season because he was only on loan. He's going back to Real Madrid, which in and of itself, that'll be an interesting little battle between Danny Carvajal and uh, Ashraf Hakimi, who's going to get the right-back position in that team. But that being said, Dortmund have signed Munier. A good replacement for Hakimi or more of a, you know, rushed replacement? I think it was, we'll get him because he's free type move. There aren't that many good right-backs going to be available. Yeah, you're right. He's not great, but he does a solid job. It remains to be seen if he'll be doing enough of a solid job, though, to put Dortmund in real contention for titles. They're definitely going to miss Hakimi next year. Just the raw pace of the kid. But you can understand why, you know, Madrid obviously going to want him back because he's a great yeah. player. Carvajal isn't going to be around forever. 
Although I wouldn't bank on the fact that Hakimi just walks into the starting 11 on that team because Danny Carvajal has got quite the... I mean, he's quite, quite a player, player in, in and of himself. Yeah, again, it's another one that would be interesting to see. And it'll be interesting to see if Mounier, you know, fits into the Dortmund system. I mean, he's not blessed with pace <laughs> anymore. So maybe it's more of a steady build-up. Yeah, yeah. Approach for next season. You've got a point. Well, anyways, that's all we've got time for. Yes, very true. We'll have another episode next week, as always. And next time we speak, Liverpool could have ended a thirty-year drought for a Premier League title. You've got you've got a point there, and we and will if I also have really jumped out of my window. <laughs> And we will also know who is going to make the relegation playoff spot in the Bundesliga, which is arguably one of the most exciting things left this season. But that's all from us. Speak to you soon. Keep calm and love the beautiful game.